Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. We're telling us God's Word a long time ago, and that's what we're going to be seeing today, uh, that we need to be following God's will and God's direction. Well, it's good to be back with you. Uh, I guess a lot, most of you know, I had, oh, you don't need to clap. That's a, yes, please know. Uh, I had triple hernia surgery uh, eight days ago. And um, so uh, I tried to run around and preach like normal in the first service. So I am sitting down in the second service. Uh, so uh, that's just kind of how that goes sometimes, I guess. Well, have you ever heard the expression, probably everybody's heard the expression, be careful what you ask for. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. We think we are so smart. We've got the whole plan and uh, nothing can go wrong. And then it just doesn't quite work out uh, the way that we thought it was going to. And I've got a perfect example here of somebody who thought that they had it all planned out, but it just didn't quite work out the way they saw it in their mind. It's about a minute video clip here I want you to watch. The third question, Jessica, this one's for you. Let's get the question up there. David wants to know, will you marry me, Jessica? That's a big question. You're supposed to get on your knee, I think. This is a big question. She looks excited. <laughs> Jessica, everybody wants to know, yes or no? David, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. You're, the answer is no. No. I, she she said no. David, <laughs> I, I don't think we've ever had this happen before. Uh, we'll be back the next half inning. I'll check on David. So poor David thought he had that figured out. It didn't quite work out the way he saw it in his mind, though, when he was working it out. We're going to look over into Jeremiah chapter 41 through 43 today and uh, see how we need to be following God's will because sometimes our decisions aren't quite as good as we think that they are. So look over to chapter 41, verse 16. And the first we see is this. We all have big decisions to make in life and we all want to know God's with us when we're making those decisions. Chapter 41 down to verse 16. It says, Then Johanan, the son of Caria, and all the army officers who were with him led away all the survivors from Mizpah, whom he had recovered from Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, after he had assassinated Jedaliah, the son of Ahiakim, the soldiers, women, children, and court officials he'd brought from Gibeon. They went on stopping at, at uh, Jerith Kimham near Bethlehem on their way to Egypt to escape the Babylonians. They were afraid of them because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had killed Jedaliah, the son of Ahiakim, whom the king of Babylon had appointed as governor over the land. Now, that was the background. So now that you all got the background and understand that, we'll go on. Okay, so what's going on here? About 586 B.C., the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. Now, Jeremiah the prophet had been preaching, and he'd been telling the people, hey, you know what? This is God's judgment. The only reason the Babylonians are here is that God is judging you because of the way you've been living, the things you've been doing. And if you surrender to the Babylonians, it'll be okay. But if you fight them, then everything's going to be destroyed. 
Well, they ignored Jeremiah. They actually threw Jeremiah in jail. They tried to kill him and everything else. And uh, exactly what he said was going to happen, happened. Jerusalem was totally destroyed uh, by the Babylonians. They took uh, uh, most of the intelligentsia into exile. And uh, so they appointed a man by the name of Jedaliah as governor. Now, Jedaliah was from the royal family of David. He was a prince of Judah, but he had supported Jeremiah and said, no, you need to surrender to the Babylonians. Jeremiah served from God. And so because of that, they appointed him as governor. But a lot of the Judeans considered him a traitor. And so one of his own uh, relatives, Ishmael, also from the royal family, goes to see him one day and assassinates him because he thinks he's working with the Babylonians. And uh, then he takes all the people who are with him and kidnaps them. Now, there's still a, 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 a group of the army out there that hasn't surrendered. And they're led by a captain by the name of Johanan. And Johanan comes in, rescues the people. And then because they're afraid the Babylonians are going to kill them, they start to flee to Egypt when they come across Jeremiah. And so what they want to know from Jeremiah is what are we supposed to be doing? Now, we're already told in what we read that they are afraid of the Babylonians. They think they've only got two decisions here. One decision, surrender the Babylonians. Unsurrendered soldiers that the Babylonians haven't captured yet, we're going to surrender to you. And oh, by the way, uh, we happen to be around when your governor was assassinated. Now, that doesn't seem like a very good option to them. Uh, What do you think the brutal Babylonians are going to do to these unsurrendered soldiers who were there when their governor was assassinated? The only other option is to run. And the only place to run to is Egypt because Egypt is the only other superpower in the world in this area right now. So they're on their way to Egypt when they come across Jeremiah. And what they want to know from Jeremiah is, what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to be going? Look down to chapter 42, verse 1. Then all the army officers, including Johanna, the son of Keriah, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest approached Jeremiah the prophet. And they said to him, please hear our petition. Pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For you see, though we were once many, now we're just a few are left. Pray that the Lord God will tell us where we should go, what we should do. So they want to know two things from Jeremiah. Where should we go? What should we do? Now, they already figure out the best, the best answer is we've got to run to Babylon, but they just want God to confirm what they're doing. So we want God involved in big decisions in our life. We make decisions every day. Did you know on a daily basis, the average adult makes 35,000 decisions? You've already made several thousand decisions before you got here today. We make about 2,000 decisions a day concerning food. So you make three or 4,000 decisions a day concerning concerning food or something like that. That's probably on my end of it. They're like that or something. But, uh, you know, we make all kinds of decisions. But there's also big decisions, decisions we make about job and family and relationships and health, uh, decisions we make that we really need to know God is with us, what's going on. And so they're coming, I think, very sincerely and wanting God to be with them as they've made their choice to go to Egypt at this particular time. Everybody would like to know that. Wouldn't you like to know as you do things that God is with you? Uh, It's interesting that there's two big examples of things that have happened recently uh, in our country with some celebrities where they say they sought God first and went to the same celebrity pastor uh, before they made their decisions. One was Justin Bieber. And as I just casually look out there, I see uh, a lot of Bieber fans out there uh, as I do that. But Justin Bieber canceled his entire world tour 
right in the very middle of it, uh, after uh, going to his pastor, Hillsong Pastor uh, Carl Lentz in New York, and praying and seeking God's will. And he said, you know what? God wants me to get my life straight right now, not run around the world singing. And so Bieber just stopped his world tour. The other was Kyrie Irving of the Cleveland Cavaliers, who said he went to the same pastor and said, should I leave Cleveland or stay? That's a big decision. And said that Lentz prayed with him and he sought God's will. Got a picture of those guys uh, right here. That's Carl Lentz, Kyrie Irving, Justin Bieber shooting ball at uh, Dave and Buster's in New York. That's Tyson Chandler down there on the end. But he wasn't important enough to get his name uh, on the on the little thing that is there. So even very famous people want to know God's with them when they make decisions. And we want to know the exact same thing. Here's the problem, though. Be careful what you ask for. Because if you ask God's will and God's direction, it might not be exactly the way you've already got it figured out or exactly what you want to do. So you've got to be open to whatever God's going to say to you because God knows best when you get into it. So be careful what you ask for because God's ways are not our ways. Look out at verse 4 of chapter 42. I've heard you replied, Jeremiah the prophet, and I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you've requested, and I will tell you everything the Lord says. I'm going to keep nothing back from you. So Jeremiah says, okay, if you want to know what God wants to, what says about it, I'm going to go to the Lord and I'm going to pray about it. Now, if you're Johanan, the captain here of this unsurrendered group of soldiers, and you're trying to figure out what to do, this is what you know. The governor of Babylon has just been assassinated and the Babylonians are going to be angry. And you figure they're coming over the hill at any second. So Jeremiah, tell us what we were supposed to do. Look down to verse seven. 10 days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Now, if you're Johannan, you're wanting the answer in 10 minutes, not 10 days. So the first thing we see is God's timing's not our timing. Can you imagine if you were Captain Johannan sitting around going, hey man, we're running at this very moment. The Babylonians are going to show up at any second and kill us. And you're taking 10 days to tell us? When you take a big decision to God, how long do you pray about it? Do you say, Lord, I've got one of the biggest decisions in my life. What should I do? Well, what is it? God, come on. You know, say we stick it in the microwave and it's done in 30 seconds. We want God's answer in 30 seconds. So we're not willing to be patient and trust God's timing. God sees a different picture than we do. Sees a much bigger picture than we do. And so we have to trust God and we have to trust his timing. Now, just as kind of a side, when you're trying to find God's will for your life, when you're trying to make decisions, what are some things you need to be asking and seeking and doing? Well, one is prayer. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. God wants to communicate with you. So pray and talk to God and listen to what he has to say. Second, you need to be reading your Bible over a prolonged period of time, not just the day you have a big decision, and saying, God, this is, these are things I'm working through. And over a period of time, you're going to see God speaking to you and saying the same thing over and over again. Third thing I would say is go to some godly Christian people that you trust and talk to them about it, counsel with them. And then finally, look at what's going on in your life and the circumstances of your life. Because those four things are probably going to start falling into line. Your prayer time, your Bible study, uh, your talking to good Christian leaders and, 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 and friends, and uh, your circumstances. Those are going to show you where you need to go, but you've got to trust God's timing. There's a second problem, though, when we go to God. 
It's not just that God's timing is different than ours. The second problem is that God's ways are different than ours. God works in strange and mysterious ways. So they've got two options. Surrender and probably be killed or flee to Egypt to another superpower where they'll be safe. Let's see what God tells them to do uh, in our scripture passage. Look down to uh, verse 8. So he called together Johanan, the son of Curia, and all the honoring officers who were with him, all the people from the least to the greatest. And he says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition, says. If you stay in this land, I will build you up and I will not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. I am grieved over the disaster I've inflicted upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord. I'm with you, and I will save you and deliver you from his hand. I'm going to show compassion so that he will have compassion on you. I'm going to restore you to the land. Now, they think their only decision is to flee to Egypt. It's the logical decision. Staying means almost certain death. And Jeremiah comes back after 10 days and says, well, God says stay. He says that you're, you're, the reason the Babylonians came in the first place was his judgment, and his judgment is now over, and he wants to restore you to your land and make you prosperous once again. Now, that's a, the exact opposite of what they expected God to say. But God generally doesn't work the way that we think that he's going to. Uh, how about when he told Moses to go to the Red Sea, and then when the Egyptians attacked, he said, well, move forward. Forward was the ocean. Uh, but then God parted it. Who would have written that down in your battle plan when you decided that? Or how about Joshua, who for 40 years trains an army and finally gets them where they need to be, and when they get to their first major test of Jericho, God says, yeah, why don't you just march around the city for seven days, and then I'll have the walls fall down. That probably wasn't part of Joshua's plan. He's probably saying, but we've got all this siege technology now. Let us use it. And God says, yeah, just march around. You know, Not quite the way we thought it was going to be. Uh, when we got into it. What about when God says things to you that you don't expect God to say, like, you know what, somebody hurt you? How about forgiving them? Instead of being jealous, how about being happy for people? Uh, Instead of hating your enemies, how about loving your enemies? The exact opposite of everything we think is generally the way God did it. How about I'm going to bring my only begotten son into the world and uh, I'll have him born in the middle of nowhere. And and why don't you use for his cradle a sheep's feeding trough? Probably not the way we would have designed any of it. But God's timing, God's ways are not our ways. So be careful what you ask for. Read an interesting story this week about a man by the name of Daryl Davis. Daryl... He played in uh, Arsenio Hall's band when Arsenio Hall was on TV. Anybody remember the Arsenio Hall show? Yeah, some of you really old people, y'all remember that too. Um, So uh, he's a jazz musician, one of of the best in the world, a jazz drummer. And uh, he's a strong Christian. And uh, he's an African-American gentleman. And he started praying one night, God, I look at the racial division in our country and the hatred and the bigotry. I want to be one person that does something about it. Help me to know what to do to just make the world better around me. And he said he started praying that every single night. And then he started hearing over and over again through the different ways he was seeking God the same thing. Find the most racist people you can find and become friends with them. Now, who would think that was what you were supposed to do? 
But uh, he's now written a book about it. There's a documentary. got a picture of his book right here. It's uh, called Clandestine Relationships. So he tried to find the most racist people in his area. He found Klan members, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. And he would just go and try to make friends with them. He'd have coffee with them. He'd buy their dinner if he saw them out one night or something like that. And over a period of time, he began to develop relationships with these people. He was called every name in the book as he developed these relationships, but he continued to develop them. In the first big breakthrough that he had, he was talking to one member of the Ku Klux Klan that he'd gotten to know very well. And he asked the guy, he said, are you a Christian? And the guy said, well, of course I'm a Christian. Why do you think we burn crosses? And he said, oh. He said, well, let me tell you something about how I view the cross. I view the cross as the symbol of what my Savior died on to forgive me of my sins when I didn't deserve it. I would never disgrace the cross that paid for my salvation. And he said, but I want you to know something else too. You're my brother. And there is nothing you will ever do that will cause me to hate you. And I will always love you. Well, that night, in the middle of the night, Davis gets a knock on his door. And he opens, he looks out the window first, and he sees that Klan member standing on his door in the middle of the night. Who thinks that's a good idea to open the door at that particular time? Probably not. But he opens the door. The man throws his arms around him, crying, and says, I'm sorry, my dear brother. He left the Ku Klux Klan that night. Davis has been doing this only for about five or six years. He has led 36 people away from these organizations and into churches by making friends with the most racist people. Now, God's not calling every person in this room to do that. But you know what? When Daryl Davis started praying for God's will, his timing and the word was a whole lot different than anybody would have thought. But that's the way God works. So be careful what you ask for. That brings us to the third thing. Uh, that we see in our scripture passage. We now have a problem. We want God to be on our side, but we really don't want to know what God wants us to do. We just want God to agree with us. That's the problem they're having in our scripture. I think they sincerely wanted God to be with them. They really believed Jeremiah was a prophet, but they didn't necessarily want to do what God wanted them to do. They'd already made up their minds. We were told at the end of chapter 41, they were already fleeing to Egypt. They just wanted Jeremiah to confirm that. Okay. And when Jeremiah didn't confirm it, it changed everything about what was going on. Because what we want is for God to choose our will. That's what we want is for God to choose our will. So look down to chapter 43, verse 1. When Jeremiah finished telling the people all the words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah the son of Hoshiah and Johanan the son of Kariah arose and all the other arrogant men, and they said to Jeremiah, You are lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, You must not go to Egypt to settle there. So right there, Jeremiah gives them the word of the Lord. He's already proven himself a prophet uh, through what has happened. And yet they say, no, it hasn't happened. And it's interesting the way they describe it in the middle of verse 2. They said, you're lying, the Lord our God. Not the Lord your God, Jeremiah. You must be praying to a different God because our God would do what we wanted to do. And that's what we want from God. We just want God to bless what we're already decided to do and what we're already doing. 
We don't want God to give us some new way or new timing or big picture. We just want to do what we want to do. And we'd like God to bless us and be with us when we do it. But why do we do that? Why would they know Jeremiah was a prophet and still do the exact opposite? Because this is what ends up happening if you read the rest of chapter 43. Johanan forces everybody to go to Egypt, including Jeremiah. He takes Jeremiah hostage and makes him go to Egypt with him. Against everything God had told them. Why would you do that? I think they did it for two reasons. We've seen four times in our scripture we're told they were afraid. When you're afraid, you often make choices that aren't good for you because what you're trying to do is be safe. You want to be safe, so sometimes you make bad choices. But Jesus told us a long time ago that when you seek to save your life, you lose it, and when you lose your life, you save it. So they're trying to be safe. I'm going to go to Egypt. We'll be safe. We're with a world superpower. Nothing bad's going to happen to us. So they're afraid, and they want to be safe. The second reason, though, I think, is that they were just proud. We're told in verse 2 of chapter 43 that Johanan and the rest of the proud men came. Now, what's pride? Pride is you doing what you want to do regardless of what God says. It's the root of all sin. Any sin you will ever commit goes back to pride. You saying, I don't care what God says. Don't care what the Bible says. Don't care what mama taught me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's sin. Now, sometimes you know you shouldn't be doing it when you do it, but you still decided in pride that you were going to do it. So they think they've got it figured out. Either Jeremiah's wrong or God's wrong, but they think they've got it figured out. When you think you're smarter than God and that you've got it all figured out, you've got a problem right there to be sure of. You think you're so smart that your will has to be God's will. Well, let me tell you, the other day, three days after my surgery, I'm outside looking through a colander trying to see an eclipse. And Dawn says, there it is. Do you see it? And I said, well, I see like 100,000 crescents in the water down there. And she goes, those crescents are the eclipse. And I said, oh, okay. I had friends that were looking through cereal boxes. I found this picture on the internet. (laughs) And you think if it's your will, it must be God's will? So somewhere along the line... Our pride gets in the way and our fear gets in the way. You know, when it comes to fear, I know people that have stayed in terrible circumstances because they were just too afraid to do anything about it. I know people that have stayed in very abusive relationships that they should have run from because they were just afraid to do something. I know people who had problems in their lives. They had things they should not have been doing that they were doing that was hurting them and hurting everybody else. And they were afraid to stop it. Fear paralyzes. Fear keeps us from seeing things clearly. And so fear and pride has caused them to choose their own will instead of God's will because they were just afraid. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. It really comes down to trust and we need to be trusting God. It comes down to trust and we need to be trusting God. Now, Back in chapter 42, it's interesting what Jeremiah tells the people down to verse 13. Look at that. Chapter 42, verse 13. However, if you say, we will not stay in this land, if you disobey the Lord your God, and if you say, no, we're going to go and live in Egypt where we won't see any war, we won't hear the trumpet, or we won't be hungry for food. So Jeremiah says, if you choose the way of saying, I want to be safe, 
Instead of following God, and so I'm going to go to Egypt, there'll be plenty of food, we'll be safe, there won't be any war, everything will be fine. He says, if that's what happens, then hear the word of the Lord, and remember it, O Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. If you're determined to go to Egypt, and you do go there and settle there, the sword you fear will overtake you there, the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt, and there you will die. He says, if you think you're going to Egypt to escape war and poverty and and, uh, hunger, you have another thing coming. It's going to keep following you. Now, I've already told you what the people did, what their decision was, is that they kidnapped Jeremiah. They forced him to go to Egypt because they know better than God. They're going to be safe in Egypt. They're with the world superpower. Within 15 years of them leaving, uh, the Babylonians attack uh, the area they would have fled to in that Nile River Valley, and they take a large portion of the Nile River Valley. And there's constant fighting between the Babylonians and the Egyptians this entire period of time. But then finally in 539, the Persians destroy Babylon. And so surely the exiles think at this time, wow, look how smart we were. I mean, we had, you know, 25 years of war after we left, but guess what? It's now over. The Babylonians are destroyed. But you know what? The Persians didn't stop with destroying Babylon. They went on to Egypt, and in 525 B.C., 57 years after they fled, the Persians would destroy the Egyptian empire, and the longest-lasting empire in the history of the world would no longer exist. 57 years after they fled, they thought they were going to be safe. They thought they had it figured out. But God's timing and God's will is different than ours. You see, here's the problem that we have. We're looking at a single page of a script. And we're looking at that page and we're saying, man, I'm reading what's going on here and this is what I need to do. God's not looking at a single page of the script. God's looking at the whole script. And what he's saying to you is, if you just could read the next chapter, you would see how what I'm telling you makes sense. But you don't trust me enough to believe I know the next chapter. And so you're going to make some big mistakes by doing it your way because all you're seeing is a page and I'm seeing the whole book. So we've got to start trusting God more and following him, even if his timing and his ways are different than ours. Probably a lot of you are Tim Tebow fans. Uh, Tim Tebow is now a stellar baseball player with the, uh, with the single A St. Lucie Mets. And uh, uh, you probably know he has a ministry that's involved in helping uh, handicapped children. Well, he was playing a game about two weeks ago. And at the very end of the game, there were two runners on. He was in the on-deck circle waiting to bat. It was the last inning. Uh, the game was on the line. And a boy with severe autism came up to the net and started yelling for Tim Tebow to come over. Now, he's got a decision to make. Here I am with the game on the line, about to get up and bat, and I can't be distracted, but this boy keeps calling his name. So Tebow says, what am I supposed to do? And he thinks, well, the only reason I'm playing sports is so I can be a witness for God. So he leaves the on-deck circle and lays down his bat 
goes over to the net there behind, puts his arm through, hugs the boy, starts talking to him. The boy gets overcome with emotion, starts crying. You got a picture of it right, right here uh, as they're doing it. They have to come get Tebow and say, man, it's time to bat, and there's two outs, okay? And so Tebow walks up, and the kid is crying so much, he turns around, steps out of the batter's box, and waves at the boy. He steps back in and hits a three-run home run on the first pitch and wins the ball game. Now, did God cause Tim Tebow to hit a home run? I have no idea. I do know he hadn't hit many before that. You know, uh, uh, I do know that. But what I do know is this. God's timing and God's ways are a whole lot different than ours. But when you trust them, things tend to work out for the best. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you that you want to be involved in our life. 35,000 decisions a day, and Father, you'd like to, to be there to help to direct and guide us in every one of them. Help us to trust you and just realize you know more than we do. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.